Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, how are you? Welcome to the Colin Carter Podcast. As always, live in studio here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Really excited today to share with you, again, great content, information on parenting, technology, raising your kids in this crazy, crazy world they're growing up in. I don't know why I'm doing this like radio voice today. I'm so happy today about today's podcast because we're talking about something that I talk about quite a lot. If you heard me speak, uh, if you've been following me on Instagram, I kind of cycle through all the different topics uh, of parenting and technology, specifically on social media, things like cyberbullying, sexting, and pornography. And and uh, this week, I've been talking a lot about the great uh, new drug, the great new killer, the great plague of our modern day right now, and that is porn. And uh, we're going to have a great conversation today because I have Luke Petrie, and friends call you Peach Tree, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they don't know how to they don't know how to pronounce <laughs> words. True story. My last name is Karchner, and I'm not even kidding. When I went to ninth grade baseball tryouts, the head coach, he's like, next up, Krochner. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's it. My my German ancestors came here and they're like, how do we make it sound more American? What if we do Krochner? Anyways. Come and coach. Yeah. Yeah. On the I'm I'm on the way, coach. It's Karchner. <laughs> I have Luke, uh Luke Petrie here, and um Luke came in and Luke is a young guy, 18, yeah. you know, and I messaged Luke after he posted something on Instagram a while ago that was so impactful and so real and so raw about his story overcoming uh, struggles with pornography, which is something that, let's be honest, like everyone almost is going to have some form of a struggle with just how it is. We're talking about the day, but Luke is just 18. Uh, graduated high school last year and and was so open about his story. I reached out to him and I said, you know what? This podcast is going to be me talking and me interviewing experts that have a PhD at the end of their name and have all this amazing credentials. But you know what? If I'm a parent, like I want to talk to someone who is young, who just went through this and let's have a really open, frank conversation. So I read, I mean, I messaged, I what? I messaged Luke on Instagram. I said, dude, Hey, I'm doing a podcast. I don't know if you'd even be willing to do it. I don't even know if you live near me. And he's like, heck yeah, let's do it. I'm not too far. So he drove into the studio uh, to come share, and we're going to have a really awesome conversation Very today. Very excited. So thank you so much, Luke, for, for being here. So Luke, real quick, uh, before we got on here, you were telling me kind of the story of uh, you after high school going to India. Uh, and so let's start there, because that's super cool, and let's kind of work backwards. Ready, Perfect. go. Great. <laughs> um, so after after I finished high school, um, in... Uh, in the fall after I finished high school, my family and I sort of picked up um, and we, we left the country. We went over to India um, and a few other places for a month. Um, in India, we, we were able to teach street kids English and math, which was an amazing experience. And the whole so experience cool. there was really, really, um, I think, transformative for me. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, being out of the country for the first time um, and, and in this crazy place like India, um, it's been said like, it's so crazy on the outside. It forces you to go in. So that's what they say about India. Yeah, is that yeah. right? I've seen that on the bumper sticker, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> India. So crazy on the outside. It forces you to go in. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And so you had some, ex you had this amazing experience there. Yeah. And, um, so since, I mean, during my senior year of high school and up until this point, um, I'd finally begun to really work, um, to overcome my pornography addiction, um, that I'd been suffering with, for, um, I think it really started around the time I was nine. Okay. Um, and so at this point it was October. Um, I really felt like I was, 
at this place where I could um, really be open about it finally. Um, and so I, I decided I, I really just want to make a big post about this and, um, and hope it can help people. Um, and so one day I just sort of sat down um, in, in our little house in India and just sort of wrote out this thing for like six hours, this wow. big post, wrote down my whole story, um, wrote down a, uh, you know, big section with a whole bunch of facts um, about uh, pornography in the industry and, and how it ties into sex trafficking and all mm. these things. Um, and, and I just made this post and I just said, Hey, everyone share this if you like it. And suddenly it was just getting shared and shared over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and suddenly I see like Colin um, commented on it and I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> Some weird old dude. And, uh, and I went, Oh my goodness. Wow. This is crazy. Like this is really um, getting shared around. Um, so it got really big. Um, and I was so grateful. It was such an amazing experience um, to be able to do that and see the power that I had um, sharing my words, my experience to help people. Yeah. And, uh, and the story was what, let's talk about this story. So let's go back to nine years old. Um, I don't know if most parents know this, but I think from the research, the average age now, thanks to the internet, social media, and us just willy nilly throwing iPads at kids, expecting them not to see bad stuff is like around eight or nine now. Mm -hmm. I've, I've read 11, I've read seven, I think it's around eight. So let's go back to then. Uh, cause I was seven and this was back in the eighties and I mm. still found it. So tell, tell us that story. Um, at that, at that point, I don't. I don't know if I necessarily remember my first exposure. Yeah. Um, I do remember though. Uh, I remember playing games early in the morning, you yeah. know, on the, on the laptop playing on some computer game website, you know, that was obviously for kids. Sure. It's like this computer game website and just suddenly seeing straight out porn on the screen, like an ad on the side um, or something, right? Or was yeah, it some it was, kind of pop-up? It was like part of the website. Even, Jeez. Um, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, whatever, whatever that was, I just, you know, seeing that, um, it really shocked me sure. and scared me and it made me more curious. I'm a nine, eight or nine, eight or nine year old kid, yep. you know, made me a lot more curious and, um, and it was scary. Um, you know, it's not something, it wasn't something that I was like, um, super comfortable talking about at yeah. all, you know? Um, and so from that point, the curiosity just continued to get the best of me um, until by the time I was probably around 11 or so, um, I, I was totally, I was totally addicted. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it just went from there. Um, and it was super, I mean, as it is super, super hard yeah. um, being, you know, this young kid and not wanting to accept that you have an addiction. Um, I, I couldn't accept it for years and years. Mm -hmm. um, and so just that little first exposure on some computer game website, you know, um, and, and my parents were super great. They, I mean, they had, you know, like um, web, like all sorts of website blockers and all sorts of things like that, you know. Um, but I mean, it, it found its way around. It's, yeah. it's really one of those things that's inevitable. Um, and so it's something that as many blocks as you put on, I know, Colin has been sharing a lot about this. It's gonna, it's gonna worm its way. It through. does. I, 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 I love the false security of oh, I put this Eero router or this Disney Circle or this MM Guardian 
porn. It's like it's like in Jurassic Park. Woo, throwback, right? I don't know if anyone <laughs> old enough to hear that. But it's like that part when he goes, "Nature finds a way." Porn finds a way. Yeah, they these people are so good. I mean, I've I've had moms message me a screenshot of their kid playing a four a, a rated four plus app for kids, and then a game pop up like a little ad pops up, and it's legit pretty much porn, mm-hmm. and you can click there and it goes right to it. Yeah, and that's with filters on. So, yeah, the, this whole idea that your kids aren't going to be exposed no matter the technology put on is uh, is it doesn't work anymore. The fact is, your kids are going to see pornography. They're gonna see it no matter how hard, like your parents tried. Yeah. So, eleven years old, and uh, and you found that you've already uh, you're struggling with this. Uh, that's a hard time and a hard age. Because uh, I remember seeing when I was seven, it was just like a magazine. And I, I didn't really, it wasn't like the internet where I could just find it. Mm-hmm. So it took a long time. I don't think I even saw it again until like, you know, 14 when we went to Vegas or something. But do you remember how you felt? I mean, do you remember like seeing it in that cycle of, of not, of trying to avoid and then something stimulates you and you go look and then you feel bad and that cycle, do you remember that kind of going through that? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's the perfect fear cycle. Um, fear cycle. Because you get, you know, you get scared. Um, and you don't want to speak about it. You don't want to talk about it. And then um, as the fear slightly wears off, as you start to console yourself, you begin to get more curious. Yeah. And then you get scared. Um, and then you start to console yourself. No, 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 it's okay. Yeah. And then you get more, it just goes on and on. And it and that just cycles down into the addiction, into the regular use. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's go on from there. So what did junior high and high school look like with, uh, with going through this? Um. Man, junior high and the first few years of high school were so, so hard. Mm. And they are for everyone. Yeah, already um, hard. Totally. Yeah. But I think it could have been so much better um, if I would have been willing to acknowledge that the hard part wasn't coming from, you know, my parents or bullies or any of these things, which, you know, obviously it's already hard. Um, but I, I just couldn't acknowledge okay, I'm addicted to something yeah. that is making me feel dark and sad and angry. Um, and so it was really hard. I, I really got to a point, especially maybe around the age of 15, where um, I was, I mean, I felt so much fear and shame and all this that I um, I just thought I shouldn't be feeling this. Yeah. And because I'm feeling it and I feel like I shouldn't be, it's everyone else's fault. And so I, I was like, I just want to graduate high school and move out and get away from all of the fear and shame. Um, I wanted to, you know, leave, leave the church and all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I thought that it was because of everyone else or, or, or any other number of factors, but I couldn't get myself to acknowledge, no, this is porn. That's making you feel so sad and dark and lost. Yeah. You, you felt like there was something wrong with you. I mean, do you, you feel uh, the darkness and didn't real. Uh, it was. It's hard to recognize. What I'm saying yeah. that 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 is what is causing that. There's a right. neurological thing going on here with these. Your brain getting bombarded with all these hormones and drugs and feel goods, and then it crashes, and then you cycle through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and those teenage years are where you're in. I mean, you're in such a victim mindset all the time, especially sure. when you're in junior high, <laughs> high school. You're just always the victim. Everything's wrong. You know got the teenage angst. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so that just really combines, um, and, and makes you feel like this is, you know, I have a problem, but, um, you know, I don't want to deal with it. So let, let's talk about how did you hide this? Um, because everyone who struggles with it uh, gets 
finds ways to get really, really good at hiding it. Yeah. And and I know it's really hard for parents because kids don't want to feel, we're going to talk about why kids don't talk about it, why you feel the shame and you don't want to talk about it, so it keeps going on. Uh, but how would you hide this from your family and from your parents? Um, well, I, I think the most um, clever device that I used to um, hide this from everyone, from my parents, from my friends, from my family, was my phone. Um, uh, that was really, it makes it really, really easy. Um, you go in clear search history, you know, um, nothing in there, super easy. I mean, click of a button, you get to porn, click of a button and no one can see that you did it. Um, and so that was, that was definitely the big one. Lots of, um, yeah, lots of, uh, hiding and lying and pretending, Mm -hmm. um, putting on, putting up, putting up a facade. Yeah. Um, all the time wanting to look a way that you aren't uh, look a way that I didn't feel was something I would always do. Um, you know, I didn't feel like I um, wanted to maybe go to church or do any of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, you know, just act like I did sometimes um, yeah. to make it seem like everything was normal, you know? And, and, and so the problem is, is that it extends out into every aspect of your life. Um, and that's what I, really began to observe is that, um, is that I'm no longer hiding, you know, that I'm looking at porn. I am, um, I'm lying about, uh, all these A, B, and C mm-hmm. that aren't even connected, but that keep up my act. Sure. You know, it's all a, it's all a play when you're, when you have that addiction, it's all this act you have to keep up. Um, and it, and it almost becomes an addiction to keep up that act. Like it's all about Huge really point. that perfection. Yeah, you get so good at dodging and hiding and making people. I mean, I think when you have a struggle with this and and there's so much shame in our culture, especially where we live with this being, I mean, I've, I've had people tell me, I've had grown men tell me that struggle with pornography addiction that said, I wish that I was a drug addict because I would have less scrutiny being a drug addict than being a quote porn addict. And I hate throwing that word addict around me, especially if you talk to people who know what addiction is, you know, addiction meaning that you cannot function without it. I mean, you need it all the time every day. Uh, and, and so a lot of kids, you know, they, they think they're addicted to it, but it's, you know, looking and struggling, it's definitely not an addiction there, but, but the, this whole culture has got to change on that because it's keeping people in this silence. Mm-hmm. Um, now you, you mentioned your parents, they put, they, they tried their best, um, did they ever have any inkling? Like, could, do, could, did they ever have talks with you about this? Did they ever come up to you, like, when you they maybe knew, oh, you were in the bathroom too long in your bedroom, what's going on? Like, did they ever approach you, or did they just kind of act? They, they, did they buy into your act that, like, my son's perfect, <laughs> and there's no problem, so let's not talk about it? Um, you know, I really don't think they bought into my act. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're too smart for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of parents, a lot of parents are, um, and, and so the... I think the hard part is how to approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, I remember a couple times um, sort of being approached about it and, and like me playing it off, you know, keeping up the act like sure. always, of course, um, really, really just trying to play it off. And, um, and so, yeah, there, I mean, there was one time when I, when I was nine, um, I did tell my dad about it. Um, and, and then, you know, I was nine. And so it's yeah. like, you know, you don't think about it a lot and sure. it just sort of got forgotten. Um, do you remember how he reacted when he told you? Was he upset or was he like, Oh, it's okay. I mean, he, do you remember that reaction? I mean, he, um, he was definitely shocked. Yeah. Um, and, 
and it, I think that I was so blessed to never have to, you know, deal with, you know, getting yelled at or any of these things. Cause I know yeah. a lot of people who have had that when they tell their parents, yeah. um, they were very, very loving. Um, and, and I, and I now feel bad because it's like, man, how do you approach that? I yeah. remember my dad approaching me a few times after that and, um, and trying to talk to me about it. And it's just like, man, that is so hard. It is. Um, it's hard for parents not to overreact because you want your kid to be perfect. And, right. and when you hear they're not perfect, then a lot of parents freak out. And I, yeah. I, I tell parents all the time, that's the worst thing you could do. Literally the worst thing if your kid says, mom, I looked at porn. I said something bad. Or I'm struggling with this is scream or yell. Go to your room. You're grounded. Go to your room. Right. You're grounded. Give me your phone. I can't trust you. All that tells right. kids. And all that told me when, when, you know, through high school, if I ever got struggled or caught or whatever, and my dad got mad at my mom. It, all it told me was do a better job hiding it. Mm-hmm. And you, so you found better ways oh, yeah. to hide it even more. You find right? loopholes. Yeah. Because you don't want to feel that way. No kid wants to feel yelled at or feel like they're disappointing their parents, right? Yeah. So again, like you said, that fear cycle continues mm-hmm. because of that. So, so let's, so going through, uh, uh, high school, obviously that's hard. Um, how did this affect you being a student? How does this affect you with friends? How does this affect you with dating and all that kind of stuff? What I begun to notice um, in the in the overcoming process was that the root of what I was all what I was you know what was feeding into um, this problem I had with porn, um, the root of it all was often my my own frustrations or insecurities. Um, or feelings of worthlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever I would have a day, you know, maybe, maybe, I'd, <laughs> maybe I'd like have a bad day or, um, or like I, I would get frustrated because like some friend isn't, tr- isn't treating me the way I want to, or some girl or whatever. Yep. Um, the frustration from that would manifest in looking at porn. Um, as a coping mechanism. As, oh yeah, as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Totally, because it, you get you get that um, you know the endorphin release and yeah. um, and and it's always there for you, right? It's always, I think that's one of the yeah. biggest lies with porn is that they're always it's always there, it's always there to make you feel better. It's just yeah. like any drug, right? And and if we don't learn good coping mechanisms, and it's uh, you know it's the it's probably the easiest mm-hmm. form of coping. <laughs> To totally. get what you need at and that so moment. that was my yeah. coping mechanism mm-hmm. for frustration. Anything going wrong, the release yep. was in porn. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was a problem because, um, you know, especially once I started becoming a lot more aware, um, you know, I would, I would look at porn because I would be frustrated, mm-hmm. and then I would get frustrated with myself for looking at porn. And then I wouldn't do anything for the rest of the day. I would be too mm. frustrated and, and sad and depressed or whatever it is yeah. um, to, you know, do anything for the rest of the day. And so, and so it really started affecting me, um, started affecting my hobbies, my school. Um, I mean, yeah, I was, I was a pretty terrible student for <laughs> middle and, and, and a lot of high school. And you think some of that was because of this? Oh yeah. You know, totally. I just, I just read something today about, I was just Googling, you know, resources so I can, you know, share with followers, like what are some good resources? I was on a porn re- addiction recovery, like a center. And they said some of the big signs, uh, something that the, you know, the cycle of this struggle and addiction can do is just decrease motivation, 
and decrease your drive to do anything and accomplish anything. I think it probably comes from this. Totally. From that cycle of self-loathing. You, I 100% If agree. you feel like crap, when, what's going to make you want to get up and like, you know, get up early and go shoot hoops or go mm-hmm. chase your dreams, right? I feel worthless, so yeah. I look at porn. So I feel worthless, so I look at porn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So going through high school, um, now you just graduated last year, and yeah. this is – so this is all – a, a very new awesome story of triumph. So let's talk about um, the steps you took to overcome this. What did that look like? This is my this is my favorite part. Yeah, this, um, this is the this is the the good stuff now. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I think I whenever I think about this or talk about it, um, the the most important thing for me in realizing it and you know learning to overcome was. We have a mindset um, as a society. Um, we have a culture of, especially with porn, you see how many days you can go. Yeah. Um, the see how many days you can go mindset. Okay. Um, I hate that mindset. Um, I've been four days. I've been two months. Right. Yeah. I think it's terrible um, because it doesn't allow room for growth. Yeah. Um, you go two weeks and then you mess up and you are right back at the beginning. Um, there's no checkpoint. You, you aren't good for going two weeks. You're bad for going two weeks and then messing up again. Um, and so I see a lot of people who, I mean, a lot of people have overcome that way, but I think it's really, really hard. And I see a lot of people too, who are struggling and that is their method of overcoming is count the days. And then when you mess up, it's back to zero. Um, why do you think that doesn't work? (laughs) So, I think to get into a, something a little bit complicated, the difference between the like Greek and Hebrew mindset, mm. um, the Greeks, which we take a lot of our mindset from, see things in a very linear way. Um, things are things are lines for the Greeks, mm-hmm. and um, the Hebrews see things in circular way, um, and. I'm taking notes because <laughs> I think I learned this back in ninth grade. Yeah. AP English, Miss Durham, yeah. thank you. But I forgot. <laughs> okay. So the Hebrew mindset of thinking is circular rather than linear. Um, this linear way of thinking is um, it's terrible because um, as soon as you mess up, you're back to the beginning. There's no sense of progress ever yeah. um, unless you're perfect. Um, now, in the circular mindset which this is something I really realized and what really helped me in this circular mindset of thinking. Um, what I actually did was I, I made a little chart. So I, I drew a big circle on a piece of paper and then I put 30 circles around that circle. Mm-hmm. Each circle represented a day, essentially. Very cool. Um, so it was like a month. So what happens is every single time, so, you know, going throughout the month, um, and if I look at porn, um, I color in one of the circles, okay. but I don't go back to the beginning. Yeah. You keep moving, um, which is that changed everything because wow. you keep moving. Yeah. Um, there's no falling back. There's no um, failure. Mm-hmm. There's mistakes that you learn from. Mm-hmm. You don't erase what you've done. You have what you've done to look back on and learn from that. Um, the unexamined life is not worth living as Socrates says. Um, so you, so you go in a circle because circles are infinite. They don't end. 
you can look back at what you've done and you can move on from what you've done. I love that. Um, which is so, so powerful mm-hmm. um, to start thinking in that mindset instead of 10 days, ah, mess up. I messed up yeah. and all that was worth nothing. It was all worth, was all worth nothing. nothing. And you know one thing too, now uh, we're not going to make this a gospel conversation on this podcast, but one of the things that crushed me was this notion that uh, if you sin or if you mess up and then you f- mess up again, all the other times you've done that from the beginning of your first breath are then compounded upon like that, that created so much shame in me. And I know in a lot of people, yeah. just that thought press that like that, I mean that if you're talking that literally thinking is, is not the way to go. That is the worst literal thinking ever. And yeah. so I love that idea of being able to set goals and make it something where if you do relapse, which you will, mm-hmm. that's the one thing I need. I, I, Kids, you understand, parents, you understand that this is going to be something that you're going to struggle with and you're going to have to fight and, and you're going to relapse. And, and that's and that should not make you say, oh, I suck. Let's start back on, right. on day zero. Yeah. You know, like with AA and like people who are you know trying to get sober. Oh, my gosh, I went two years and then I relapsed. None back of that two zero. years matters when it does. So wrong. That's so that so wrong. that's circular. That's the Hebrew way or yeah. the Greek way. The Hebrew. Hebrew. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad. I don't want to mess that up. Sorry. I don't, I don't want to offend the Greek people listening. I've got a huge <laughs> Greek following. Of course. My wife's like a quarter Greek, so, so she'll be ticked. Just kidding. Yeah, let's be careful. Um, so what else helps you uh, with this? Um, so besides that, I mean, that was obviously, that paradigm mental shift was obviously huge. I'm so glad yeah. you shared that. Was there anything else that really helped you uh, overcome and, and, uh, and grow from this? Yeah, so that was definitely the really foundational mental mindset that really helped was shifting from the linear to the circular mm-hmm. or cyclical. Um, and... The biggest thing, though, um, that changed it all for me was my friends. Um, I I started to realize. I remember I was um, I was at dinner one time with a really good friend, um, who, um, you know, I knew that he had struggled in the past. I hadn't ever told anyone. So he had I told was, you yeah. before. Okay, wow. Uh, and Very at brave. this point, I had never told anyone. Okay. Um, and at one point in the conversation, it was like totally a blur, but he. But he asked me, have you ever struggled with porn? And everything in my head went, no, 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 don't no, no, no. Don't say it, don't, don't say, say it. it. You've been hiding it for so long. And then I said, yes. And that yes. How did that feel? Changed my life. Yeah. Um, that yes sitting at Chick-fil-A that night changed my entire life. Freaking Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, of course. Yeah, of course. That would be the place. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is is already a very sacred place to us. <laughs> so why not, right? You're right. Um, it has been sanctified as a place to eat good food and uh, express yeah. issues with friends. Yeah. And so from that point, um, it was suddenly so much easier to talk about it because yeah. I had told someone. Finally, uh, right? Finally, yes. I, you know, you, you finally open up yeah. and, and you... You, you tell someone. And so from that point, I started realizing as I was telling some of my other best friends, oh my gosh, they're all struggling too. Yep. Or they all have struggled and yes. have overcome, right? 98% of men either struggle or have seen or have used regularly um, pornography. That's, and that's basically everyone. So that's suddenly, basically yeah. 100%. And, and you're saying that we found the stats... Females, it's it's up there in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So, girls, if you're struggling with this, don't feel stupid. Don't feel alone. No. This is a big issue. It does it doesn't matter gender? Yeah. No, and yeah, and so suddenly, you know, I'm realizing, oh my gosh, you know, my ten best friends also struggle or have struggled, and it just became this support group yeah. um, where we could talk about it, 
and being able to talk about it changed everything. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's really, and, and parents who are listening, it's really scary to tell your parents. It's so scariest. And why do you think that is? Cause I was the same way. In fact, I don't think I ever, I mean, I, I, you know, like everyone, you see it and you have struggles with this and it's just part of, I mean, it's part of being a teenager. But I don't think I ever even told him. I think my dad oh. knew sometimes. Like he'd come in after I was watching like a movie and he's like, wait, what's going on, right? Why right. is it so terrifying to tell your parents? I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, first of all is worrying about their reaction, mm-hmm. their immediate emotional reaction. Um, there's a lot of people who I've talked to who have told their parents, you know, it's a really emotional, emotional vulnerable place to be. Um, and, and then their parents get really, really mad. Um, which is to some extent justifiable. However, um, the fear that comes from, you know, not wanting to get yelled at. And especially when you're in this ecosystem, like, especially in Utah, where a lot of us are members of the church, um, there's a lot of repercussions that come from finally opening up, you know? It's not just a whole, oh, okay, cool. Well, let's get some help, right? Right. There's no, a lot of fear of what could happen after that. There's a lot of fear that. of yeah. what happens. There's a lot of, um, you know, s- s- almost open steps you have to take. Yeah. Um, and so I think the, the fear of that is a really big one. I think the biggest one for me, because my parents, I, I, I never was worried that they were going to you know, yell at me or freak out or anything. I, I maybe thought that they were going to take away my phone, but I didn't really care. Um, <laughs> at that point. Yeah. No. And um, the biggest thing for me was the almost perfectionism that had come from my acting yeah. for the past eight years or whatever mm-hmm. of not wanting to put down my image. But the most scary thing was um, suddenly worrying about the image that my parents would see me as. Right. Yeah. Because um, you have you have tried so hard to create this facade of perfect child, mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to jeopardize that and feeling like it's all your fault. So that scary. is a hard so feeling scary. to have. I mean, we look, we rely and look up to our parents so much, yeah. and and so to let them down like that yeah. is is what it feels like. Like you're letting them down yeah. um, is definitely the scariest thing. And so this friend group, so you guys all decided, you figured out at the at the Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> Closed on Sunday. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you all figured out uh, that this was an issue that everyone had been bit. I like to use the terminology of a snake because, you know, you got bit. So you, once you found out I was bit, how did you, what did you guys do as a friend group to kind of support each other um, through this process? Because even if a kid had told you, oh, I'd struggle with this last year, he's still going to have issues of wanting to relapse and all that kind of stuff. Right. So what was there anything you guys did as a group with friends besides just, I mean, just talk about it every so often? What, what, what did you guys do? I really think the most important thing was conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about it um, regularly. Um, we would check in on each other. Um, we would do accountability buddies, you know, a text every day. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. You know, um, right. A text every day. I was never super good at that, but <laughs> a lot of my other friends really, really were. Sweet. Um, and, um, but definitely the, the conversation being willing to be open about it and, you know, get together and say, Hey man, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how's it been going? How you, you know, have you been able to, um, you know, avoid porn lately? Yeah. Um, what's, what are, where are you at? And then just yeah. being able to talk about it and help each other. Um, being able to, you know, share articles or messages or other things, um, that helped us, um, gave us a better mindset. And, um, 
And so in one word, conversation. Conversation. Talking about, did you have, a, did you ever go to like professional therapy or was this kind of like your therapy? So you didn't go to any professional therapy. This no. was, this was your therapy group mm-hmm. and it was powerful. It helped. You said this was what made all the difference. Really powerful. Oh yeah. So that's, uh, that's so cool. Um, what do you say to people and kids who are struggling or, uh, and they're worried about telling their friends? Like what's the best way to bring that up? I mean, just like your friend did where he's like, Hey, uh, <laughs> you watching the game tomorrow and have you ever struggled with pornography? Like, is right. there an easy way right. to bring it up? Yeah. You, you know, that I don't know um, if it would have ever been able to come up another way. Yeah. It maybe would have, um, but I think that just the question, just just say it. I mean, yeah. you open you open the conversation. You have to get it out. Mm-hmm. There's no often. There's no delicate way. Yeah, you know, it was very blunt and sudden. Have you ever struggled with porn before? Yes. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite uh, Chick Fil A sauce? Right. Have you ever struggled with porn? Right. And you know what? Sometimes that's the best way to do it. Just throw it totally. out there. Like totally. it's such a taboo thing, and the, and you no. don't. Want, there's no. There's no wrong way to do it. Right. Every way is the right way to bring it up. No, right. And it's it's like yeah. It's if you if you open a a, a floodgate, a weak yeah. floodgate, slowly, eventually the water pressure is going to break the gate. Yeah. You need to open it quick. The yep. gate opens quick, and the water comes rip, out. Rip right? off the bed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the friend group is really important, um, which totally. is awesome. Uh, was there any other resources that you use besides just talking about it that really helped you um, through this whole process? Um, I think a lot of it was um, reading um, yeah. books, and um, but reading the scriptures a lot too. And, um, and definitely, um, you know, I, I don't know how religious, you know, we're allowed to get, but just prayer. Absolutely, prayer. Just, just prayer. Yeah. Um, having that conversation mm-hmm. with God yeah. um, and saying, Hey, I, I messed up. Um, help me to learn how to not do this again. Yeah. Teach me. Um, because, you know, it's never going to be this immediate thing. It's never going to be taken away from you. Yep. Um, it's a learning process. It's, it's learning why you don't want to do this. It's mm-hmm. learning how God sees women or men. Um, it's learning, um, to see people through God's eyes and, and to love. Um, and that isn't an immediate thing. It's, it's really a learning process. And so the biggest thing was heavenly father teach me. Yes. And he's there. And for people who are religious, they know that if you're not religious, when you look at, um, you go to AA meetings and you talk to experts of addiction and they, and they share, I know Brene Brown, who everyone loves to read. She has mentioned, that the number one reason why people find the strength to overcome a problem like this is a belief in a higher power. Now, that higher power could be that rock sitting on the wall <laughs> that you stubbed right. your toe then found a million dollars, or it could be God. It doesn't matter what it is, but a, a belief that there's something beyond you that can help, that there's something outside of you that can bring you strength. I can't even imagine having gone through that alone without a feeling that there's someone up there who wants the best for you besides your parents, right? And besides your friends. Um, Because like you said, this is such a thing where you mess up once and you feel like it's all gone to ways and I suck and there's no point trying uh, for anyone who struggles with any type of addiction. It doesn't matter if it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, right? That feeling of just personal shame is something that we got to get rid of. Um, so let's talk to parents now and just say, okay, so you're 18 and this is something that you you, is not 20 years ago. And, and I'm so glad that you came on to share this mess. I think this was so amazing. Uh, what are your, what are your tips of parents? Um, 
uh, how how should they not respond? How should they? What are the things they shouldn't do when they uh, think their kids are struggling, or they're noticing, or their kids have told them that they uh, have this issue? What are the don't do these? Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's been said, and and to say it again, and it's one of those things that's like sort of obvious, but it's very emotional. Yeah, don't get angry. Um, the anger only forces the shame and fear to multiply. Um, and your kid is already very angry at themselves. Oh, There's yeah. really no point to throw on right. your anger on that as well. It's, yeah. it's something that I don't think we understand in emotional states as human is as humans mm -hmm. is that when we're very, very emotional and frustrated or angry with someone, often the other person is with themselves. Yeah. Um, especially in the struggle with pornography. Yep. We know it's wrong. Um, but we can't stop. And so we're so, like I was saying, it's, you know, the frustration leads to porn and the porn leads to frustration and it goes on. Um, and so we're already so angry with ourselves and it takes so much to come out and say, I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, and so really the, the consequences, the getting angry, um, it's, that's what really kills it. Yeah. Um, is when, is when they feel like for doing what they think is the good thing, they get hurt even more. Yeah, something right? they've been wanting to do for sometimes years, right. and and, and you then get suddenly just get smacked hurt. in the face. Yeah. Like, how are you not celebrating? How is there not confetti right. being popped off in my face right. to say you did it finally? You did it. You <laughs> opened up the vulnerability yeah. and the connection is everything. Yeah. And so sit down mm. and try to understand. Yeah. I would say is the most important thing. Try to understand. Because if you haven't already been through it as a parent, which you probably have, yeah. you probably have seen it. If not, you don't understand anything of what your child is going through. You yeah. really don't. So listen. Um, so listen and seek to understand. Yeah. I tell parents all the time, I say, look, um, if you uh, want to go into the bathroom afterwards or go into the closet and grab a pillow and scream and punch it and, and, and scream at the sky or your neighbors or do it. Right. But By not when your kid is there, not when your kid is there. I don't know how much I can't stress that, that when you overreact, I know, I know parents who have lost kids to suicide because they overreacted at a, at a goof like this at a, at a mess up where the kid already felt so much shame and, and throwing parent shame on top of the personal shame and societal shame and all that kind of stuff, uh, is what can throw some kids over the edge. Uh, so, so that's, so, so a big do is no overreacting and do it with love. Is there any, what about things just like parents stepping in and saying, okay, finding out where's the biggest source of temptation and removing that or making it harder to find? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think a lot of it comes down to a compromise because especially when you're in that teenage mindset, even if you are vulnerable enough to go and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. If you as the parent suddenly make a emotional or what you think to be logical decision on your own, it's going to feel like an attack to, Always. Your, to your kid. Yep. Um, and so again, it's sitting down and saying, how can I help? What can we do together to help you through this? Um, that connection yeah. And, and I promise that if you sit down and seek to understand and find a compromise, find something that will help the both of you mm -hmm. to get through this together, you will gain such a deep connection with your child. Yes. Um, it'll change everything. 
And then they know they can come to you with other struggles. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why I haven't talked to both my parents in quite a long time. True story. Because I don't feel like I can't talk to them about anything because Mm -hmm. they never built that relationship up front. Knowing I've known since a young age, if you bring them something that's a concern, it's going to get thrown in your face or you're going to get screamed. at. So why would I want to do that? Why would I want to put myself through that? Um, and so being able to sit down and listen and understand, I think parents understand too, that your kid is not a bad kid for doing this. We have to stop this issue. If we're throwing porn as easy, accessible as it is in their face and we're, and we're giving them the device that gives them the porn and we're saying, Hey, here's a playboy. Don't look at this. Bye. Like, come on parents. And it's not even playboy. It's it's 10 times worse than that. Um, is, uh, what was I saying? Understanding that w- if you're going to have them this device, they're going to get bit. And so let's stop yelling at them, but understand that your kid already, they already feel like they're a crappy yeah, kid and they're not bad. And you're a good kid. I, and I was a good kid. And most kids I talked to are good kids that are trying their hardest. Ooh. This is just that thing that they've, that they've trying to deal with and struggle with. And so, uh, and that's the big worry is feeling like your parents are going to think you're a bad kid. Mm-hmm. Right. So making sure parents, when your kid talks about it, even if they haven't expressed that they're struggling, but you come and say, listen, if you're ever struggling with something, just know that I am not going to get mad. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to rip your phone away right at at first. Like, Mm -hmm. I just need you to know that you can come talk to me. And you can't just say it. Like, you have to prove it in every aspect of your life. Yeah. If they know that you're a parent and you overreacted every single thing that ever happens, they're going to know that they're going to really overreact if you bring them this issue. Yeah. Right? So you got to set... This standard that when dad stubs his toe, he doesn't punch a wall. Or when a kid like breaks a dish, he doesn't throw a garbage through the door. Yeah. Right? yeah. Has anyone thrown garbage through the door? I don't know. Um, so I think setting that uh, standard. One other thing I like to tell parents too is understand that when you have, uh, when you're struggling with this type of a thing is that the access is one of the big problems. Uh, one of my friends, Chris McKenna, who runs Protect Young Eyes, he always talks about the three bad things, which are uh, boredom, and nighttime in bedrooms, right? Um, when you're bored, that's when a lot of times mm-hmm. you're like, you know what, I'm bored. Let's go ahead and take a look, right? Totally. And so being able to give your kids tools, so that's that's one of the reasons why I love, I mean, I, I'm not putting a plug in for Gab Wireless, but I always am. But when you give your kid a phone that has access to porn on their fingertips, it, they're going to look at it. Yeah. So give make it easier for your kid to not have to struggle. Now, if they are addicted to their phone, don't you dare rip it away because you're not just ripping away the access to the porn. You're ripping away access to their friends. And in your case, that was it. That was the that was your therapy. Mm-hmm. That was your group. And so make sure that we don't do things like that. Right. Now, uh, this has been so good. Um, now, you are so uh, amazing for coming on and sharing this. And I hope that this inspires. I hope parents send this to their kids and their teenagers and say, listen, I just want you to listen to Luke's story because this has been so inspiring. You are so jazz and pumped about this and done so much research uh, research about it that I, I know you mentioned to me that you're looking at wanting to set up information and maybe even like a foundation and things like that talk to me about what you uh, what your next steps are now that you're going through this you've been through this you found good ways to to, to break this problem uh what's your next step what do you want to do next um i just really want to help people um and i think it really started with that first big post that i made yeah um just just understanding that by creating a conversation, people overcome. Um, and so I just really want to um, help create the conversation. Um, and I think there's so many people doing an amazing job. Fight the new drug. Yeah. I'm um, on their website right now. They got yeah, so much good stuff. Amazing. Yep. Colin's doing great sharing sharing everything around. Um, Christian and L from 1924 US. Super, yep. super cool. Um, and so 
I really want to help people understand that um, what I was saying with recovery, recovery isn't linear. Yeah. Um, and connection and vulnerability are what is going to solve this problem. Yeah. Um, and so um, I really want to, I really want to write I really want to speak to people. Um, you've got a good, you've got a good way with words. I mean, I just pulled up your Instagram post again and just kind of scroll through this. Um, it was enough to get me to say, whoa, this is really, really awesome. So being able to write and share more about that. So that's something you want to do too. Yeah. And, and so I just, I mean, it's something that I really want to devote a lot of time to um, because again, it's, it's the new drug. Yes. It is the great new drug that is affecting 90% of people mm-hmm. um, in some way or another. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to create a conversation um, because that's that's when it's open, when it's talked about is when people can overcome, when it's in the shadows, when it's in the dark, when it's hidden, when we're not talking about it, when there's fear and shame. That's, you know, that's when people get scared and that's when people get addicted and that's when people you know, lose the battle. Exactly. Yeah. This so battle will survive in darkness and in shame and in secrecy. And that, mm-hmm. and that's how, and that's how it's been winning. And so let's bring the darkness into the light. If you want to go read Luke's post, it's uh, his Instagram is Luke peach tree, just like the Georgia peach tree. Even though that's not your last name, <laughs> uh, Luke peach tree. And if you just scroll down a little bit, there's a photo of you standing from these amazing pillars. That's like Epic man. That's like, is that Greek or is that Hebrew? That's the Indian. That's Indian. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks like a Greek, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I'm so grateful so much to Luke for being brave and coming in and, and thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, and you wrote a poem about this and I have some background music here. We're not going to do like a rap. Maybe, I'm trying to find like a, a little rap song or whatever. So tell me about yeah. this poem you wrote uh, before we wrap up. Um, so <laughs> I actually wrote this yesterday. Oh, it was like a um, slam dance rap. Is that what it was? Yeah. Is, yeah. 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 So, so I saw, um, his name is Josh. Um, what's his, what's Joshua his Luke Smith. Yes. Yeah. British guy who just posted this amazing poem. So cool about this just yesterday, the day before. Yeah. He's going to be on the podcast next week too. So that's cool. I'm so excited to hear that. So you said you saw that. Yeah. So yeah. So I saw that yesterday and I went, Oh man, I'm so inspired. <laughs> um, and so, so I wrote, I wrote my own, um, and I'd love to let's hear it. Share that. Do you need some background music or anything or yeah, I can go let, acapella. You can go acapella. Let, yeah. let, let, let's hear this. Go ahead. Great. <laughs> I remember being 11. I remember wondering if I was a hero or a villain because heroes win and villains are addicted. Heroes defeat all the shadows villains live in. Heroes speak, but the villains' thoughts are silent. That's what I thought. See, no 11-year-old should ever have to make the decision between family and the pit they've been digging or how many weeks or days or hours it's been since they last failed and gave in. No 11-year-old should have to wonder if their life is worth the living. That's what I thought. That was the lie that it was telling me. That every time I searched it up, I became less human, the enemy. Because that lie, for all its truth, is not what the industry was selling me. And the truth in all its lies wasn't what my addicted 11-year-old brain kept telling me. I remember being 13. I read a book one day with a scary story about scary things about children killing children. And I remember thinking, how far do we have to fall as a society to be living in this hell, how could they ever make me kill someone that I have never met? Someone who dreams and hopes and fears like me, but has to live or die in dread because they are at the mercy of the thoughts up in my head. Yeah, it got me thinking, but not enough. I was still stuck in a fallacy, 
So I went into my room, locked the door, picked up my phone, and made that scary story a reality. Porn kills children. That's what they're selling. They make us feel like we're the enemy when they make us the accessory and they take our hearts in revelry. No, we aren't the true enemy. It's porn. The biggest industry in the world, because its webs and slimy fingers are entangled in our norms, 1.2 million kids a year are taken and they're sold. And who helps fund it? Porn. And who helps fund them? Us. Children killing children. I remember being 15, ready to give up all I knew and what I thought was true just to escape the fear and doubt and shame that I never outgrew. I was still a kid. Every day, giving my heart to an addiction that would leave me worse every time I'd start. And while it was killing me, what I didn't know was that it was killing more than my dreams and hopes and happiness and the plan God had in store. It's an evil centerpiece of darkness with a revolver in its pocket. And all the energy I put in was a bullet-chambered cocket with my fear. And the finger on the trigger wasn't mine. No, the finger is an industry set on its perfect crime. A double-sided gun with both barrels pointed toward children. I remember being 17. I couldn't take it anymore. In a year, I'd be an adult wondering what my childhood was for, if not porn. It took me nine whole years of darkness to one day reach into my pocket and feel its slimy fingers as I unlocked it. Porn. See, no other drug is clever enough to find its way into three-year-olds' pockets, and no adult would be dumb enough to calm their kids with shots of vodka, right? Well, the phones we make a part of us serve well to get that job done. Porn. I didn't realize through all those years of anxiousness and lying that my innocence and happiness weren't the only things dying. No, it's marriages and families and faith and joy, humanity, not to mention all the children trapped who just can't find a way to breathe. We're killing children. Now I'm 18, and I realize what I was missing. For the years I was addicted, I forgot that God is listening. We aren't perfect. We all have pains and sadness. But recovery is not pulling off a bandage or a scab. It's turning outward because loneliness is just the lie we're given. Ninety-odd percent of people who are living what we're living and a loving God and parents who never aren't listening. So though it hurts to overcome and it might just take a minute, I've learned that every single vice does have a virtue if you let it. There's a real connection in this world to be found through all the hardness. There's a flame of truth and love if we're all willing to just spark it and a light that covers up our flaws and shows us through the darkness. And we're all just children, learning to love children. The hero's throne is there if we will fill it. We're just children, learning to love children. And when we love, we lose ourselves and defeat the real villain. We can save the children. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying not to cry right now. My gosh. We got a studio audience in here even clapping. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that, you. That Okay. When you said you had a poem, I was like, okay, here comes a haiku. That was, a, that was, I don't have any words. That was so amazing. You wrote that, what, like yesterday or this morning or something? Yesterday. <laughs> my gosh. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to have that professionally recorded and make a little video of that. We really? have to do that because that is just too good. Um, I'm so grateful You're, that you let me share. <laughs> that was so good. Um, so with that, now we can say, I think uh, that will take us to the end. Uh, thank you so much to my uh, guest, Luke Petrie. He's Luke Petrie on Instagram if you want to follow him there. Thank you so um, much, Colin. Thank you so much for coming out and sharing your amazing story. Parents, love your kids. They're all struggling with this stuff. Stop giving them the freaking smartphones. Stop putting porn machines in their pocket. <laughs> love them. Amen. Be there for them. Don't overreact. It's all about Send love. this to your kids. It's all about love. Porn doesn't kill love. Love kills porn. 